Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Studio DNA fans. I'm Chad, a new podcast host here on the network. I'd like to invite you to check out my new show called Hot Takeout, where I mix together some of my favorite things, fast food and musical artists. When you listen, you'll get that feeling you have when you get an onion ring in the bottom of your french fries. It's a win. We'll dig deep with the artists. We'll find out what inspires them and what foods they have to stay away from. And we're also playing fast food games, which will also make sense when you listen. So check out the Hot Takeout podcast streaming right now here on the Studio DNA podcast network. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. It's my great honor to tell you that you're going to be the 328th Hall of Famer into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and your legacy is going to be in Canton, Ohio forever. Congratulations, Coach. Congratulations. Congratulations. Hey, bud. Oh, my God. Awesome. The, The only thing I can think of is all the assistant coaches that have worked for me, all the great players that have played for me, they're the reason I'm here. And they're the reason I, I can't talk. All right. No, no. Where's your, I mean, where's your Bob? I mean, I mean uh, this is so special to me. Because when you put in the work that we put in, it's nice to know people appreciate it. Hey, uh, Coach, for your viewers out there who don't know, uh, I'm David Baker, president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And on behalf of all of those of us who love this game and the Pro Football Hall of Fame, it is my great privilege. This isn't right that this is happening right now. but (laughs) Coach, I want to thank you for all you've done for the game, for all you're going to do for the game. And I want to welcome you to Canton, Ohio, where your bronze (laughs) your legacy. How about that, Bill? Congratulations. Oh, gosh. Folks, did you see him hugging his wife, B, his daughter, Megan, as tearful as Bill oh, is? Wow. Uh, oh, wow. Hey, check. Mr. Baker, good Best to see you again. Best everybody. really good. Hey, folks, keep this in mind. Out of 29,000 people who played the game, coached the game, or contributed to the game, Bill Cower is down to 327th one in the Hall of Fame, 182nd living one. Coach, speech. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just tell him, V, I says, I've come to grips. I'm okay. Um, If it doesn't happen, um, I've been so blessed. And I would just say this, for those eight candidates, every one of you deserve to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, Football is a total team sport. Um, I had some great players, some great coaches, the best organization in football. Um, I've lived a blessed life. I've come to the best network on TV. It's a family here like it was a family that we had there. And to have to give back to something, to the game of football, it's been a part of my life. The virtues that it teaches you, the morals that you have the obligation to move on, the platforms that we have. Mm. Um, 
you know, I'm a blessed man. Family Broadcasting Corporation. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is! It's good! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived, Chuck Freebie. Forever! And away we go with episode 180 of the Sports Yak. You mean the Rich Gannon episode? Rich Gannon. The former Raiders quarterback who led them to a Super Bowl under John Gruden. That's about it, huh? (laughs) There you go. 180 touchdowns in his career. He's now an analyst for CBS Sports. I'm so used to this. The, just the words dripping. And that was like... Sorry, I don't have any <laughs> tales like Hippo Vaughn or people like that. What a moment. Noodles Chapman. Yeah, exactly. Noodles Han, I guess it was. Noodles Hippo. Yeah. We just got Rich Gannon. Short Pants Magoo or whoever that was, that guy. Uh, let's get in the NFL. Those are some amazing games played over the weekend. Yeah, let's take them one by one. We'll start with Minnesota and San Francisco, which was probably the dullest game of the weekend because the 49ers just dominated the Vikings in that game. San Francisco's got a really good defense, and I think that showed on Saturday afternoon. They just shut down the Vikings. And so the Niners win easily. Uh, The surprising game of the weekend had to be Tennessee's win on the road again, shutting down Lamar Jackson and Baltimore. The defensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans is a fellow named Dean Pease. And if you're a longtime Notre Dame football fan, you'll remember that Dean Pease was an assistant coach under Lou Holtz when Lou coached at Notre Dame. Okay. Secondary coach. Went into the NFL from there. He's kicked around the league a little bit. And he has done a very good job with Mike Vrabel's defense. And so Tennessee... Shuts down Baltimore. They get some very solid running out of Derrick Henry, who is a terrific running back and fun to watch. Big kid out of Alabama. And so Tennessee punched its ticket. So they knew as the sixth seed, they would be on the road for the AFC championship game. And then we had that wild, wild game yesterday in Kansas City. Houston jumps out to a 24-0 lead. They block a punt. They recover a fumble. They take that in for a score. Um, They're just kicking the ever-living out of the Kansas City Chiefs for a quarter-plus. And it was funny because you would see the guys that made the mistakes on the Kansas City sideline. They'd get the shots of them, and they were very, I would say, nonplussed. They, they didn't look phased at all. Now, you read some of the comments after the game, and like the receiver, Sammy Watkins, said, I thought we were done. And Travis Kels came by and said, I don't like your body language. And Sammy thought, well, maybe he knows something I don't know. Well, apparently he did. <laughs> uh, because Pat Mahomes threw four touchdown passes in the second quarter. And 24-0 quickly becomes 28-24 Kansas City. And they didn't slow down much in the second half. 41 straight points before the Texans could manage a meager touchdown response. 
and Kansas City becomes the first team to ever trail by 20 and win by 20 in a playoff game, taking it 51-31. to 31, And the 51 points comes over three quarters. Yeah. Yeah. I was in a uh, local drinking establishment, uh, Mexican restaurant, sitting at the bar, and I, I had no real interest in the game. As you know, I'm a Bears fan, so I'm just kind of watching. And uh, 21 to nothing, I was like, wow. And there seemed to be a swagger, in my opinion, with the Texans. Like sure. they, There seemed to be a, oh, we've got this, and we're kind of done. And then I went home, did a few things, and I just look on Twitter kind of last minute, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I went back and watched the highlights, but my goodness. is What is the greatest deficit win ever? Well, there was a playoff game. Uh, I believe Buffalo rallied against Houston back when it was the Houston Oilers. Okay. And Buffalo rallied from 35 down when Frank Reich, who's now the Colts coach, was quarterback for the Bills. Okay. And he got him up off the floor and wound up winning that game. My goodness. So the NFL, things can change quickly, mm-hmm. and they did yesterday in Kansas City. So now you've got that explosive Kansas City offense with one of the most entertaining quarterbacks there's ever been to watch in Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he is a magician with the ball. Going up against this Tennessee defense that shut down the Patriots, it shut down Baltimore, so it's beaten Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson. I'm sure they feel like, well, we'll take our chances against Pat Mahomes. We'll see how this goes. Is that in Kansas City? That'll I'm be guessing? in Kansas City. Okay. And Kansas City has not been to a Super Bowl in 50 years. They haven't been to the Super Bowl since 1970. Hmm. So here's their chance to get back. Now, let's fast forward to the other NFC game, which was Green Bay and Seattle. Aaron Rodgers versus Russell Wilson. And these two have had some really good playoff or regular season and playoff battles in the past. But the fact of the matter is, Corey, home field has always determined the winner. Whoever's playing at home has always won. And the Packers were on the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. And Aaron Rodgers came out sniping. And they built a nice lead. And Russell Wilson brought the Seahawks back. But when the Seahawks needed to get third down stops, third and long, that darn Aaron Rodgers finds a way (laughs) to just drop a ball in where there seems to be no window and find a couple of receivers and keep a drive alive and run out the clock. And the Packers hang on to win 28-23. So now you've got Rodgers. Going up against that San Francisco defense. So really, the AFC game and the NFC game have some similarities there. Mahomes versus the Tennessee defense. Rodgers versus the Niners defense. I like the home teams in both of those early on. I like Kansas City and San Francisco. You said something Friday I thought about over the weekend. The Titans were with a quarterback, and it wasn't working. They pulled the trigger on him, mm-hmm. put in another guy. How many games in was that? Midway through the season, about seven or eight games. Do you think, uh, and maybe coaches are better at this than I am, of like, let's just move on and move forward, or do they question, why did we not see that sooner or do that sooner mentality? Well, sometimes, sometimes it's a bottom line decision. 
we're paying Marcus Mariota this. We're paying Ryan Tannehill that. We have to get our money's worth. Yes. And then you get to a point where it's like, it doesn't matter how much we're paying him. He's not getting the job done. We have to go with plan B here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, also in the NFL, two coaches found out that they're going into the Hall of Fame. I thought this was great television. And and kudos to David Baker, who's the president of the Hall of Fame. David Baker used to be the president of the Arena Football League. And he really did a good job of, with that league, keeping it alive. And then he moved on to become the executive director and president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And he worked out with CBS and with Fox where they did the announcement live during their uh, either pregame or halftime shows of Bill Cower from the Steelers and Jimmy Johnson from the Cowboys getting their announcement that they were going into the Hall of Fame. And uh, it was good TV. It was emotional. I got emotional watching both of those when I when I saw the highlights on uh, social media. And um, good for both those guys. Both those guys... Um, one super multiple Super Bowls. Cower did it all with one team, with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Johnson, uh, at with the Dallas Cowboys, not only won two Super Bowls, he basically built the team that won a third Super Bowl under Barry Switzer, and uh, both of them deserve to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And what I like about our perspective, both you and I get to say this: we got to see them coach. We got right. to see it's not a YouTube video that we're going to have to look up to go. Well, what was so great about them? We actually got to see it play out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and and it was good TV. It was well done on both sides, and and you could see the genuine admiration and love from their broadcast colleagues. Yes, as well. that I I really enjoyed. All right, tonight, tonight. Well, this is huge. I mean, this is the national championship goes on the line in college football tonight. And we know the Tigers are going to win, but which ones? Clemson or LSU? And it's just a delicious matchup on so many levels. You've got the two best quarterbacks in college football and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is completing 78% of his passes. And Joe Burrow is not a kid that dinks and dunks. He goes downfield. He attacks you downfield, and he's still completing that high a percentage of his passes. And you've got him going up against Trevor Lawrence and Clemson, the reigning national champs. And Lawrence completes 67% of his passes. Lawrence can do a little bit more with his feet than Burrow can. Uh, But it's about more than just the quarterbacks. Uh, You've got Travis Etienne, terrific running back uh, for Clemson. Uh, LSU's got a terrific running back, hyphenated name. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Clyde something-something, French-sounding name, uh, plays down there on the bayou. Both these pass defenses are – Clemson's got the number one pass defense in the country. LSU, you saw what they did against Oklahoma, and now that they've been healthy in the last three or four games of the season, their defense is playing at a much higher level. You've got these two really likable coaches, Ed Orgeron of LSU and Dabo Swinney of Clemson. I I just think it's got all the earmarks for an absolute classic tonight. And Clemson 
even though they're the defending national champion, has to go right into the the Tigers' lair. They have to go into the Superdome in New Orleans where this crowd is going to be so pro-LSU. Uh, and if they want another national title, they have to go in there and get it. And the fact of the matter is, if Clemson wins tonight, they go into some really rarefied air of college football. There's only three other programs who have won three titles over a four-year period. Notre Dame in the 40s, Nebraska in the 80s, and then Alabama of recent vintage. Wow. So let's say there's a really fancy cheese tray on the coffee table tonight at about 7.58 p.m., Mm -hmm. and someone in the room leans over and says, who you got, Chuck? Because of that quote-unquote home field advantage, I'd go with LSU. All right. Uh, Not by much. Uh, I think it it boils down to a field goal either way, but I would take LSU because they're practically playing at home. Now, if you are into these kind of things, ESPN has all kinds of different ways you can watch this game. They've got the normal broadcast feed with Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit. Okay. Then they have uh, like a coach's film room where they have coaches sitting around analyzing the game as it's going on. <laughs> there is a channel that you can watch that will have like multiple picture, like you're sitting in the control truck to a certain extent, and you can watch like five different cameras at one time. So you can see coaches' reactions and things like that. And there's another one that's got like the stats rolling to the side as it's going on. So it's uh wow. It's a mega cast tonight for the worldwide leader. Um speaking of broadcast, uh just to rewind a second. Did I see that this next weekend's NFL games on Showtime? No. No? I didn't see that? No. Okay. Cuz I thought, boy, what an interesting way to get some subscribers to that pay channel mm. for one They'll be day. on CBS and Fox. Oh, okay. All right. Uh local high school note. Uh, Keith Thompson has stepped down as the head coach of Lakeland. He was there for 15 years, had a winning record, uh, participating in the Northeast Corner Conference. Not sure it is the most lucrative job of those around, but it's not a bad one, and he did a very good job with the Lakers, so it'll be interesting to see what direction they decide to go. The Jimtown job is still open. And I talked to Nathan Dean, the athletic director at Jimtown, last week. They're going to be doing interviews this week. They have a couple in-house candidates, a couple outside candidates, and they'll try to boil it down and make a hire by late January, early February. Okay. Let's uh, segue into basketball, Chuck Freebie. If you can figure out the Big Ten, (laughs) good luck to you. Um, Mm. First of all, home court really means a lot in the Big Ten, and we learned that over the weekend. Let's start on Saturday. Indiana beat Ohio State and beat them by double digits. They're finally starting to go inside to trace Jackson Davis a little bit more, and I like the defense that Archie Miller's team is playing, which is something that he's tried to emphasize since he came to Bloomington. They're 13-3 and now after the win over Ohio State. Purdue went into yesterday. They're 9-7 and seven on the year. They're playing the Big Ten leader in Michigan State. Tom Izzo's team hadn't lost conference game all year. And they go into Mackey and they get slapped. They get smacked down. 
29-point victory for the Boilermakers, 71-42. Purdue hadn't beaten Michigan State that badly since 1971. Tom Izzo called it the worst beating he's ever taken as a coach. Really? He said Matt Painter did a hell of a job coaching that game yesterday, and Purdue needed that. Uh, If they're going to make the NCAA tournament, they started to need some resume wins. They had a chance to get one on the road at Michigan on Thursday night and let it get away. They didn't let this one get away. That crowd was bonkers at Mackey yesterday, and it showed. So the Boilermakers get a much-needed win. And then Michigan goes on the road and loses to Minnesota, 75-67. So if you look at the Big Ten standings this morning, you see Michigan State still has the lead in the conference by one game over Illinois. And then you've got a big pile of teams at either 3-2 and two or 2-3 two and three in the league. Whoever wins that conference is probably going to come out of there with three or four losses in the league. I, it's just an incredibly balanced league this year. Notre Dame has some problems on both the men's and women's side. On the men's side, they had their chance. They had number 13 Louisville down in the second half, had made a nice comeback in the second half, had them down, and couldn't finish. Could not finish. And that Mike Bray's team, and here's where the lack of depth really cost them because we've seen it in two straight games now, where they've let leads slip away because they they get to the end of the game and they've got nothing. Hmm. They've got nothing left. And they wind up losing to Louisville 67-63 on Saturday. That was much prettier than the story for the Irish women on Sunday, who get blitzkrieg by number 9 North Carolina State, 90-56. to It is the fifth straight home loss for the Irish, who have never lost five straight home games in women's basketball history. And after the game, Muffet McGraw got very emotional when asked by Tom Noy of the South Bend Tribune, how much of a toll is this season taking on you? I I just, I got to do better. I feel like I can fix it, but I didn't. I'm going to keep trying, and I'm going to find an answer, and I'm going to fix it. So our thanks to Adam Derangowski from WSBT for sharing that on social media. Um, I've never heard Muffet quite like that after a game. I, I know she gets upset about losses as coaches do um but to hear her that raw and that emotional after that game you heard those long pauses where she was just trying to compose herself and you can tell she is just vexed at how to fix this right now and i don't know that it can be fixed i i don't know that they have the personnel to compete with some of the top teams in the country they certainly didn't yesterday with North Carolina State, who's the top 10 team. High school girls poll, Chuck Freebie. Uh, Penn, ranked number seven in Class 4A, 
They have a matchup tomorrow night for first place in the Northern Indiana Conference with Elkhart Central. Will Cody, here's the job that Will Cody has done at Elkhart Central. Okay. The seniors at Elkhart Central, uh, Yisha Williams is one of them, have won 60 games over the last four seasons. Do you realize that in the previous 15 years of Elkhart Central girls basketball, the Blue Blazers won a total a total over 15 years of 62 games. That's the turnaround that has occurred at that program. And tomorrow night, Central goes into the Palace to face Big Bad Penn, and uh, Christy Kaneski I don't think gets nearly enough credit for the job that she's done at Penn, where over the last decade, nine of their 10 seasons have 10, 20 wins or more. They're 14-2 and two this year, I believe. Ranked number seven in Class 4A. In 3A, Northwood has quietly put together a very nice season. Adam Yoder's team is 17-2. Kate Ruley scored 29 on Saturday night to help beat Wawasee, and they're ranked number five in 3A. And then Knox. Oh, the people down in Stark County have been screaming for the Knox Redskins to get some statewide recognition because, Corey, they're only 18-0. They're 18-0, and 0, and they had not been ranked in the top 10 of their class until this week, mm. and they're finally in at number 10. In fact, all three of the schools in Stark County have their girls' basketball teams ranked because North Judson is number 6 in 2A, and Oregon Davis is number 6 in 1A. So how rare is that that a county has every school in its county ranked in the girls' basketball poll. So congratulations to the people down in Stark County. They've done a marvelous job. On the boys' side, uh, they have what's called the Sagarin ratings. Okay. Jeff Sagarin uh, has used a rating system for college basketball for years. But because Jeff Sagarin is an Indianapolis native, he is nice enough to put together Sagarin ratings for high school teams. And they're based on your record, they're based on who you've played, they're based on the results of games, and it's a computer formula that he uses. Okay. And, uh, you know, it kind of, it's kind of fairly, fairly accurate in terms of if you use it to try to predict the winner of games. So, among the teams in the top 30 in the state of Indiana, St. Joe is ranked number 15. Uh, they are in the Sagarin ratings. They are 8-1. and one. They have their showdown with Mishawaka Marion Tuesday night at Alumni Gym. That should be a very entertaining game because Marion is ranked 23rd in the Sagarin ratings. Hmm. The team with the best record in the area is John Adams. The Eagles are now 12-1. and one. They're undefeated in the NIC. They have the seventh best record in the state of Indiana. And they're ranked number 19 in the Sagarin ratings. And then right behind Marion, Marion is 23. Who's 24th? That would be the Culver Academy Eagles with Trey Galloway, the young man who's going to IU. So there are some really good teams in the area. And looking forward to seeing how they progress as we go down the stretch. But if you're looking for a basketball game tomorrow night, Corey, okay, boys game would be St. Joe and Marion at Alumni Gym in South Bend. Girls game would be Penn and Elkhart Central at the Palace at Penn High School. You know, sometimes on Friday nights I don't have enough gas in the tank to stay up for either highlights or the end of the game, whatever, online. 
I appreciate your Facebook page on Saturday morning because I want to check a quick score. And in alphabetical order. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up. So after I did the game Friday night, mm-hmm. Warsaw-Northridge, which, by the way, was a very entertaining game. Hope you had the chance to enjoy that one on TV 46. I went over to a buddy's house and had a couple of beverages. Mm-hmm. And I come home, and I look on Facebook, and there's somebody saying, well, where are the scores? Where are the scores? I've spoiled you people. <laughs> you have. You know what? I'm a hardworking man, and I can't give you people 24 hours, seven days a week. What do you want from me? You know that's your fault. You brought that upon yourself. I know. So then I <laughs> went ahead and found the scores. <laughs> The only thing missing now is highlights. You're not busy. Highlights for children, goofus and gallant. <laughs> That's what you're going to get, pal. One more hockey headline, Chuck Freebie. Um, Red Wings lost last night. Big deal. They lose to Buffalo 5-1. Uh, congratulations to Penn's hockey team. They go 4-0 at the State Fairgrounds tournament over the weekend. Mm-hmm. I do want to bring up some baseball here. Let's bring up baseball. Uh, do you remember Todd Frazier played for the White Sox a couple of years ago? I don't. Um, he, he's bounced around. He's had some time with the Reds. He's had some time with the Mets. He's going down to Texas to play. They just signed him to a one-year contract. It was somebody that some people thought the Cubs might go out and get kind of a veteran presence to add some infield depth. Uh, but the Cubs passed on it and Texas picked him up. The big question right now with the Chicago Cubs, they signed Chris Bryant, um, to an arbitration deal, one year, $18.6 million over the weekend. And the question is, with a one-year deal for Chris Bryant, are they still looking at trading him? Because there would be plenty of suitors for Bryant, Mm -hmm. who has been banged up and has not been the same player since 2016. There is also a lot of talk about another third baseman in the National League, and his name is Nolan Arenado. He plays for the Colorado Rockies. Terrific bat. The best defensive third baseman in the National League. And there are two big suitors right now for Nolan Arenado. The Cubs and the Cardinals. And, of course, whichever team would be able to woo him away, and the Cardinals trade package is out there. And they're offering quite a bit to Colorado to try to get Nolan Arenado. And whichever team gets him also keeps him away from that other team in the division. Mm -hmm. And some people might say, well, why do the Cubs need Nolan Arenado if you've already got Chris Bryant? Even if you're going to keep Chris Bryant, Nolan Arenado is a huge upgrade at third base defensively. You can play Chris Bryant in the outfield. You could put him in center. You could put him in left. You could do a lot of different things with Chris Bryant. He's a utility player. Yeah. Okay. He's very versatile. The other thing is there would be some trade value then for Chris Bryant. You could, you could trade him and get something for him. So I'm asking you as a Cub fan, and I realize your knowledge of Nolan Arenado is probably very limited to what I've just told you. Mm-hmm. But if you're Theo Epstein, Do you try to pull the trigger on this deal to keep the Cardinals from getting Nolan Arenado? And if so, what what would you be willing to give up to the Cardinals to get him or to the Colorado Rockies to get him? 
So I can move Chris Bryant around. He doesn't have to stay at third. He's open to that, and we've got him for one year. Mm-hmm. Nolan is our future. The The end is in sight for Chris. Even though it's one year, the end's in sight. Well, he's only 28. With the Cubs. More than likely. Yes. So Nolan is the future in a year from now. Possibly. Possibly. Who would I? Who would I trade to... Would you give up Schwarber? Wow. Who had a decent year, right? Decent bat? Mm-hmm. Uh, give me another one. Um, what, what? Who's it? Oh, they got rid of... Who is it? What pitchers or, would you get? You don't oh, have a second baseman right now. I would get a pitcher. My goodness. I like Hendricks. We don't know what we're getting from John Lester these days. So would you give up John Lester? Yeah, I think the time has come. I'd go with that one. Now, I don't know if John Lester has a no-trade contract, mm-hmm. no-trade clause in his contract or not. He's been around the league long enough he might have one of those. Mm. But these are all the kinds of things that go on in the minds of general managers mm-hmm. as they're looking at, you know, spring training opens in about three weeks. Wow. So it's going to get real busy between now and... Well, four weeks. The next month is going to be real busy with some big names. Francisco Lindor of the Indians, Chris Bryant of the Cubs, Nolan Arenado of the Rockies, all on the trade market. A lot of whiteboards, a lot of computers, a lot of late-night card games. <laughs> and and the Cubs have done nothing in the offseason. They haven't spent a dime. Now, let's move on to the pop culture thing because... Uh, number one, you saw a movie over the weekend that mm-hmm. I can tell from the comments that you made on social media touched you deeply. Yes. 1917. This is a movie, Chuck, where the trailer is not giving you the full story, which is good. Mm-hmm. I think you want to have an element of surprise, but you have to see this movie in a theater. You have to see it on the biggest screen you can. Okay. Because they are coming at you with all the sights and all the sounds. It is a it is a perfect collection of everything that you love in a movie. Everything. It's uh, two guys, two soldiers that are given orders. You've got to get from A to B before dawn because there is an attack order that's in place, but it's going to be... Uh, the Germans want you to attack us. Um, it, so it's a trap. And uh, and it's in kind of real time. So you're walking with them through... Uh, oh, it, Chuck, it's so good. Um, I don't obviously don't want to give too much away. Right. But, but the fact that... I, I watched a documentary last night because there's some stuff that I just needed explained to me. And there's scenes in this movie... By the way, it was shot the way the script goes. They did it in order. They had to. And they would rehearse and time the dialogue moments of these one-shot scenes. And the length of the dialogue was the length of the walking deal. And they built it to spec. So you've got 400 yards to complete you know, this dialogue. That's how much it was. And then you'd have to do it over again if you didn't get it right. Right. But there were scenes in this movie. It's all one camera shot. That's what they want you to think. It goes from crane to human to drone back to crane. 
hmm. in and in, in continuing. So like uh, when you see that when you see him running in the trailer, it is a giant crane following him up out of the out of the uh, what do you call that, Chuck? The uh, foxhole. The foxhole. Then it gets handed off to two humans walking, and they start running. Then it's attached to a truck that can gas it while he's running at full pace. But then there's other times where they they literally hook it onto a drone to take it over water. Wow! And, and it's it's so well done, and it's a war movie. But it's yeah, there's a lot of life lessons in there. There's a friendship in there. There's uh, it just it's it's astounding. So you give five stars to oh, totally. I, I want to own this one, but you must see, see it, it in a theater. On the big screen. Sit in the middle the best you can. Now, this morning, and and this is the one time perhaps we're recording this at 9 a.m., mm-hmm. helps us out because less than an hour ago, the Academy Award nominations were unveiled. Yes. And I want to get your reaction because you're more of the movie guy than I am. I would be more like the old, one of my favorite old SNL skits is Bill Murray going through Oscar nominations, and he says, uh, didn't see it, didn't see it, saw it, didn't see it, didn't see it. So based on what I've seen. <laughs> I remember that one. Good memory. That That's one of my favorites. I have a problem. I think you do too. There are nine nominees for Best Picture. Too many. What is this, a participation award? should be five. Come on! It should be the top five. It should be the top five. You're absolutely right on that. Uh, I was a little surprised Ford versus Ferrari got nominated for Best Picture just because that kind of genre doesn't usually get much respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, I would say this. If you were doing a top five... It would not have made the top five. It does make the top, what is it, eight or nine? Nine. It does make a top nine, but not a top five. Uh, I'm also surprised that now uh, a movie can be on Netflix. It doesn't have to go to the big, big screen. I'm and, blown away by that. And it can be nominated for an Academy Award. So The Irishman is nominated. Jojo Rabbit, I know nothing about that. Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, didn't see it. 1917. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and this uh, South Korean movie, Parasite. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I realize that you ha- might have some recency bias here, but which one of those would you give Best Picture to? Well, I would have given it to Joker. Uh, Marriage Story is a great movie, and you can literally go home today and watch that on Netflix, which is interesting, as opposed mm-hmm. to going to a theater. I will give it to 1917. I figured you would. Mm -hmm. And just because that's the most recent movie you saw doesn't mean that it's not necessarily the best movie of those. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's go into the leading actor. Of those, it is the best movie. Okay. I I will firmly stand behind that. Let's go into the leading actor category. You know what shouldn't be on that list? Once Once Upon a Time in Hollywood shouldn't be on that list. I agree. The Irishman... There's nothing in that movie we haven't seen before for four hours. We've seen them do that song and dance. Yeah. I mean, basically, The Irishman was an Irish version of Goodfellas. Yep, we've seen that. All right, where do you want to go? Leading actor. Okay. Okay, I'll I'll read you the nominees here. Jonathan Price, The Two Popes, again, a Netflix movie. You could watch that literally if you went home today. Uh, you've got uh, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, Adam Driver, the Mishawaka High grad for Marriage Story. 
Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory. I am a sucker for anybody that comes from the small town and makes it to the big screen, and Mishawaka is obviously close to home. Marriage Story is a great movie. It is a heavy movie about divorce. Adam Driver is great. Joaquin Phoenix is the Joker. Hands down, get the award. That dude was a nut job in that movie as a performance. Right. It was it was fantastic. It was everything you want if you're a fan of the Joker as a villain. That's what I wanted. I agree with you. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't seen it, but based on everything I've seen about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, leading actress. It's uh, it's as though Claude Rains went into the uh, gambling establishment at Rick's Casablanca <laughs> and said, uh, round up the usual suspects. Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story. Charlize Theron, Bombshell. Renee Zellweger, Judy. Sa- Sowers? Sayorsi? Sayorsi Ronan, Little Women. Mm-hmm. Cynthia Arrivo, Harriet. I've seen two of these five and i've been wanting to see the the judy garland movie renee zellweger i wouldn't give it to charlie's or scarlet she was good but not top five good yeah. so for some reason I think this renee zellweger thing's gonna float to the top maybe so yeah um i i couldn't i couldn't nor would i comment on any of those because um well quite frankly i didn't see them mm-hmm. um let's see here Cinematography, I would give it to 1917. It's the best looking movie this year. Uh, let's. I want to get to best supporting actor because I am blown away mm-hmm. at the star power in this. Here are your nominees for best supporting actor. This sounds like the best actor. It, it absolutely does. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Joe Pesci, The Irishman. Al Pacino, the Irishman, Anthony Hopkins, the two popes, Tom Hanks, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I mean, drop the mic. <laughs> I will remove Al Pacino and Joe Pesci. Like I said, we've seen that before. Well, and they would split the vote anyway. Yeah. So I'm going to put them to the side. So it'll go between Hanks, Hopkins, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt was really good in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Is he o- Oscar good? No. No. Okay. Anthony Hopkins, I've yet to watch that movie, but with so many nominations, I'm probably going to try to watch that this I week. I have seen it. He's very good. Is Pope he? Benedict. Yeah. Okay. And I love me some Tom Hanks. I thought he did great as Mr. Rogers. See, I have a problem seeing him as supporting actor in that movie. Mm-hmm. I realize the story is about the guy writing the article, mm-hmm. but I'm sorry. The movie is, car- is carried by tom hanks it's not carried by the other guy did you see it no okay but i can just tell you from the plot line first of all how did they sell the movie Mm -hmm. they didn't sell the movie showing the other guy they sold the movie showing tom hanks as mr rogers that's right which happened to be a supporting role no (laughs) it's not sorry wrong uh i also like soundtracks a lot can i uh scroll down to that I would say a toss-up between Joker and 1917. The soundtrack to 1917 fits perfectly to what's happening on the screen. The Joker thing is uneasy, unnerving, and it fits the movie. Yeah. So, 
either Hildor or Thomas. One of those two I'd be happy with. See, that's the problem when you get into those. I don't know any of those names. Yeah. Supporting actress, Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, Laura Dern for Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson. So Scarlett Johansson is nominated for Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress. Uh-huh. Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh, Little Women, and the other person who probably had as good a year as Scarlett Johansson is Margot Robbie for Bombshell because she was also in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and was really good as Sharon Tate. Margot Robbie's character in Bombshell is not real. It's fictionalized. Mm-hmm. They just put it in there as a narrative and to help move the story along. I'm not going to give her a trophy. Okay. Um, I didn't see Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell. Laura Dern is certainly a supporting member of that cast, but not Oscar supporting worthy. Okay. She's the divorce lawyer, and there's two or three conversations that they have that are pretty whatever, but it's not. Don't give her the trophy. Scarlett Johansson, I didn't see Jojo Rabbit. I've heard things. That's I haven't it. heard anything. Yeah. And Flor- so maybe. Well, Flor- you know what it is? It's about a young kid who has an imaginary friend. Oh, yeah, 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 and yeah. And the yeah. imaginary friend is Hitler. Yes. So it's a satire on mm-hmm. that. And I believe the young boy's mom is hiding someone in their house, and the mom is Scarlett Johansson. Okay. So there you go. There's your pop culture fix for the weekend, too. We try to take care of you here on The Yak. Episode 180, far-ranging, information-filled. <laughs> Lots of stuff happening there. Yeah. Lots of stuff. You're on Twitter, right? I am at 46 Sports. Please follow. So is Sports Yak with two Ks. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Rich Gammon. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. Sports Yak is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. You've been listening to Sports Yak with Chuck Freebie and Corey Mann as himself. Produced by Corey Mann. The Sports Yak theme song by Rhett Walker. Production elements and voiceovers by AudibleGenesis.com. Engineered by Phil Souza. Executive producer is Danae Hughes. In partnership with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Interested in your own podcast? Contact Danae at Danae at StudioDNA.media. Sports Yak Archives available on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. Everybody get out of here. There's a lobster loose. Oh, holy cow, he's loose. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.